Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linford, and I am here today with an incredible leader, an amazing businessman, Jan Mielfeit, who is the former chairman of Microsoft in Europe. Welcome to the podcast, Jan. Thanks for having me, Jeanette. Looking forward. Oh, fantastic. I'm so excited about this interview because you've had such an incredible career in your executive life. But I know there's so much more that you do around mental health and all of the things that you've done since coming out of Microsoft. So I know we're going to have a really interesting discussion. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, thank you once again, Jan. And what I'd like us to do, if this is okay with you, is to start with your journey, just to give a bit of background for people that don't know you, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, you know, I live up to my... 20 years of my age, I lived in a relatively small village in that time it was Czechoslovakia. Those were two countries, Czech and Slovakia together. And, you know, I I think I was quite smart cookie, but on the other hand, I was, you know, quite fat guy, but I loved sport. And when I was 12 years old, I decided to play tennis. I came to the tennis club uh, and I remember that that coach who was also chairman of the club, he said, you are too fat for us. You should do sumo. You should. You will never succeed in tennis. You are too fat guy. Okay. And then I was like, you know, it's very encouraging for 12 years old. Obviously, right. But anyway, I was like, should I do really sumo or tennis? And I remember I said, well, nobody else will define who I am. It's, you know, my role to define who I am. Right. And I started to lose my weight. I started to work very hard. Since that time, I do like every day, I walk 10 kilometers or I run 10 kilometers. I was, you know, running much more in the in the past. Now it's probably like three days running, four days walking, Nordic walking, whatever. And I started to practice a lot. You know, I remember I was, you know, practicing in, in the place where they were like, you know, uh, uh, preparing some stuff in the, in the cellar. They were preparing some stuff there. If there was a you know place that I play against the wall, like in the in the midnight sometimes, right? I was getting up every Saturday and Sunday to play in the hall during the during the winter, like four o'clock in the morning. And in one year, his son, the the coach's son, was number one in the club in ju- in the junior category. In one year, there was somebody else number one. You know, you are having interview with this, you know. Gentlemen, and since that time, and I was not again, I was not that great tennis player. I played National League, which was pretty high, you know, uh, high competition. And Ivan Lendl is two years, you know, older than me, that guy who was number one in the world. And I love tennis and I learned from tennis a lot because in tennis and in life, you play till the last ball. You can get a lot of balls during the game, but unless you get the last ball, you will not win. And it's the same in your life. 
In your life, you are on your own. You are not defined by other people. You are defined by your own decisions, right? And th this is it. You are not defined by environment or the other people. You are defined by your decisions. And if you will decide, it's about being brave. You, you have this, you know, brave, bold, brilliant. It's about being brave and decide to move out of the comfort zone. Because I was like spoiled child, more or less, when I was 12 years old. And I decided I need to be brave. I need to like lower my weight and I need to start to train. And from, from, from that standpoint, you know, I really gained a lot of, you know, mental toughness. Sport, in fact, if I would not be, you know, in the sport, I would not be that successful in my corporate career. But when I was 19 years old, it was interesting. I've got an application to study and be tennis coach because I love tennis so much. My dad came and he said, yeah, you love also computers and computers. It was in 1981. And he said, computers will change the world at some point. Okay. And you may want to consider what you want to do with your life. You will probably never be the Wimbledon games because I started quite, you know, late, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that. And I said, well, he's right. I like computers. So I, I studied computers for five years. Then I worked for, you know, two years before what we call in Czech Republic, Velvet Revolution. So two years before the regime change, I worked, you know, in the public sector, in the Ministry of Interior, in the, in the uh, section of the uh, Science and Technology Intelligence Service. Then I needed to go through all, you know, security background checks, whatever, you know, right. And then I worked for another two years, you know, during the, you know, democratic uh, regime. But, and I was, you know... Uh, promoted and it was a good career in public sector more or less hey this is it you know it's it's perfect because i work you know around computers and everything was fine but it i was getting bored basically right and my friends they started companies so called software 602 and in one year we've got like almost 100 percent of the market share in world processing right so i joined the company uh, i i left the public sector i joined software 602 and because I was the only one who really was able to speak very well English, they sent me also to some conferences. And there I met, you know, interesting people like Bernard Vernier, who was Microsoft president for Europe, and, uh, and uh, Christian Vedel, who was like Central and Eastern Europe. And they offered me in 93, it was funny, because they offered me the job in Prague, in Czech operation. And I refused my first job in Microsoft. I said, no. I'm not going to join Microsoft. I'm staying with the Czech company. Then I met them again. I remember it was a big conference in Cannes. I met the Microsoft leadership team and they said, well, we would like to have you still, you know, right? Microsoft very rarely is giving you a second chance, you know, right? I got it and then I decided, second, it was the right, obviously the right decision, you know, right? So I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, to move, which, which was a great move. So I, I was like working in sales marketing, then I was a country manager. And th then the huge change really came when I started to, like you were running emerging markets. I was running part of the emerging markets at some point. It was Central and Eastern Europe, like 31 countries, 2,000 people. So it was a huge jump. Mm. And at that time, I really like, it was start of my, you know, huge career in Microsoft, if you will, because I was able, I basically inherited region which was like average or below the average. Out of the 13 regions, we were like number five, number six, number 10, number 11, right? Before I came. So it was like average or below the average performance. But what I changed, 
I changed how we started to work with the people. We tested, you know, everybody. I, since that time, I'm very closely working with Gallup. Jim Clifton is my good friend, the Gallup CEO. And we basically said, this is who you are. We are sitting with each and every, like 2,000 people. We said, this is who you are. And this is your job description. So let's talk about how you can use who you are to achieve what you and we want, you know, right? And then suddenly that team, which was average or below the average, was four years in the row, best performing team in Microsoft, when Microsoft was the biggest company at the stock exchange. And it was not only in terms of the profit, revenue, or the market share, it was also in terms of the customer and partner satisfaction, and in terms of the employee satisfaction, which is like long you know, term. It's about sustainability of the business, right? In 2003, we created 300 million more profit than United States. They got 8,000 people, I got 2,000 people. And obviously the buying power was somewhere else in the United States. And then they asked me you know, to develop other emerging markets. So I was working on a different you know, project. But I really believe that if you enable people to be more who they are, you know, like this principle of excellence, be every day better version of yourself. You, know, you win or you learn, you win or you learn, but you are still learning. You know, there are... I mean, Bill Gates was always, when I was traveling with him, he was always saying, if you don't know whether you should do it or not, just do it. You can always ask for forgiveness. And I think this is the right, no, come on. This is the right approach towards the mistakes, right? So that, that was a great five years. Then I was running public sector for Europe, Middle East, and Africa, which was a great, you know, because you, I met a lot of, you know, uh, international audience, like out of the Europe, right? A lot of government leaders. But then what happened, basically, uh, Microsoft, you know, uh, was having this issue with the European Commission. We lost the case 2007, right? And I was like three months before that, I was appointed to be the chairman for Europe, which was like business role, but it was also kind of you are representative and spokesperson for Microsoft in Europe, right? You know, uh, and uh, it took us two years. I mean, I I created or, you know, my teams, obviously it's not like Jan, it's always, you know, you do it through the people, but we, we created a lot of, you know, uh, business and a lot of business opportunities and revenue. But I also, that team and me, we saved a lot of money for Microsoft because we could pay up to the 11 billion euros fine to European Commission. We negotiated something around 2 billion. So 2009, we settled the case. And 2012, 2011, 2012, I became EU advisor for higher education. So when we started to negotiate, there was a lot of pressure. And suddenly after, you know, a couple of years, I was, you know, trusted advisor. And it's a good, it was a huge, you know, learning on this, you know, process because it's something if you talk to the regulators, it's very different to talk to the uh, you know uh, business people, as you can imagine. Right? So I learned a lot. Unfortunately, because I love my job so much, which was great, I got enough physical rest, but in my career, I did not have enough mental rest. And that's almost, that, that almost killed me in 2011, 2012. I was like six months out of my job. For three months, I was in the mental hospital. And for two months, I was looking forward to die. Because the problem, if you are depressed, you stop to believe that you can recover. It's not like if you have a broken arm or broken leg, you still believe, hey, there's a, you know, I will recover at some point, everything will be fine. 
But in depression, if you have a really deep depression, you are like, hey, this is it. That's the, that's the end. And depression is very bad uh, illness. It's so bad. And, you know, they tried different antidepressants. It didn't work. Suddenly, you know, it started to work. And I fully you know, recover, right? So the learning is, and I really love what I do. People think that you can be burned out or depressed because you don't like what to do. That's one option. Mm. But if you like what you do, and you are very often what we call flow, which is like you're doing something which is very tough, but you are at your best. You are using your talents. Mm. A lot of endorphin, dopamine, all, all of those good hormones are released. But then after the flow, because flow is very intensive, after the flow, you need to have a mental rest. If you don't have a mental rest after some time, cortisol is released in your body. Cortisol is bad for your brain because you are using your brain suboptimally, but also for your body because it has to do with immunity. My depression didn't start as a problem in my brain. It started as a problem with my stomach and in my back, right? So that, that, you know, mental pain is somatized first in your, you know, body. That's why doctors are saying like 90% of the illnesses today, why people are sick, are driven by the stress, right? And short-term stress is fine because in the past people were having, uh, uh, sorry, hunting, having a rest, hunting, having a rest, right? Acute stress is fine provided that you have enough recovery time. If not, then it's, you know, chronic stress. And then cortisol is released and it's not good. Short-term stress is, in fact, adrenaline, if it's short-term, it's improving your, you know, immunity. That's good. You know, if it's long-term, it's not good. So there is the one learning is make sure for everybody, make sure you have enough mental rest. Even so, you like what you do, but you need to really refresh your brain because all of those chemicals needs to be clean in your brain during sleep or, you know, like during meditation or whatever, you know, right? That's point number one. And point number two, I was so stupid, I must say, that I was, you know, three months in the bed at home before I went to the doctors. So immediately, when you have such issues, immediately go and try to talk to the professionals because I was like big boss, you know, they didn't talk to anybody and it almost killed me, you know, right? So there are a lot of learnings. When I recovered, obviously, I was like, hey, should I go and talk about it publicly? I was like, for really for two days, like, you know, thinking, what should I do? And they said, no, no, no. I go and I will speak publicly. I am not proud that I was in the mental hospital. What I am proud of, that I am able to speak about it, you know, openly and helping other people. Because if they hear, you know, somebody who they can trust, Hopefully, they will not behave the way I behave, you know, right? That's number one. And number two, I mean, that career was very successful. On the other hand, there was a failure, which was driven by kind of my, you know, appetite for the success. You know what I mean, right? Yes, exactly. So this is why I think you need to have in your life, and after, after all of that, which is almost 10 years now, I have much more balance between success and happiness in my life, you know, right? Because if you are like successful and you are not fulfilled, it's failure. I'm not saying that I was not fulfilled. I was fulfilled, but I did not have enough. I didn't, you know, uh, renew my mental energy. People think that if you like, you know, sleep or, you know, you don't do anything. But my brain, when I was like running or I was in sauna or having massage, my brain was still. Imagine when I was flying. I felt guilty when I slept for more than 20 minutes. I, I was like guilty that I should do something, you know, right? That, that, that was it, you know. And anyway, so the, the, the good thing is I learned through that, you know, look, 
what Nietzsche was saying. Nietzsche was saying, you know, whatever is not killing you is strengthening you, right? After uh, such bad experience, you can emerge as a hero or as a victim, right? They call it yeah. post-traumatic growth. You are like growing because you learn so much or post-traumatic stress disorder. That's when you are the victim. And I decide, you know, to be post-traumatic growth. I learned so much about my brain that after I after that, I studied how brain works and so on. It was like clear to me. There's a one great physio who is like Djokovic is coming to him. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, Pavel Kolar is the name of the guy. It's like he is known for all athletes around the world. And when I got like first speech to check Olympic team, like top, there was like probably 12 different, you know, Olympic Games winners. I finished my speech and Pavel stood up and he said, what he is telling you, it's not what he was reading or hearing. This is what he was living through. And that's that, that's a huge, you know, difference, you know, and, and, and this is it, right? So I, I learned so much because, you know, if, if you do sport or if you are like executive and something is going wrong, you are not de very deeply depressed, but it is small depression. The way, the way your, you know, amygdala, the small monkey, the small, you know, Woody Allen in your brain is working, that is that part of the brain is six to 10 times faster than your logical part of the brain. So it's always challenging you. So if your brain is not trained, whatever is happening in a, you know, positive way, positive things are like on Teflon, it, it goes immediately. Whatever is negative, it goes like Velcro, is there for, you know, a long time. And if you are able to figure out, hey, this is it. What are like the triggers of that negativity? Uh, this is it. And again, so we, we talk about, you know, being brave out of the comfort zone. But then being, you know, bold is basically, it's like Usain Bolt, you know, right? <laughs> Even though there, there was a T at the end. But he was like, remember what he was having on this T-shirt, like good, yeah. great, bold, you know, right? That was it. No, but bold to me means like, you know, you go there, you know, right? And you are able, exactly, you are able to learn both from the, you know, uh, wins, but also from your own, you know, mistakes. And you are still bold. Because bold means, to me, the champions are bold. Because they feel as a winner, even though they are losing momentarily. That's, you know, uh, that's uh, Ronaldo. That's, you know, Rafa, Rafael Nadal, mm. where you get a, a great privilege to meet at the U.S. Open, you know, uh, Djokovic, Federer, all of those guys, because they are able to like, whatever happened in the past, they are not putting like, hey, he lost the ball or he, he won the ball. It doesn't matter. You need to concentrate on your current ball. I have a great guy who is one of the best cardiochirurgists in the world, uh, Jan Pirk. He's like 73 years old, but he's still doing his job because he's always, he loves what he's doing. And if you like what you do, a lot of endorphin is released and then you don't feel the pain basically and you are not, you know, tired, right? But he needs to concentrate on one thing after the other. Otherwise, it would have a fat, fatal, you know, uh, issues, right? So, yeah. So, uh, this is it. No, right. Okay. <laughs> I started to talk very broadly. But then, <laughs> then I left Microsoft 2014. And what was funny, I thought that I would, like, teach, you know, and I, I do, I did, you know, some, I'm the executive uh, coach and I, I'm a, the fellow at the coaching institute at Harvard and, and McLean, you know, hospital. Uh, in the U.S. And, uh, and I started to do executive coaching seminars, unlocking human potential and different things, right? There are two, you know, areas where I would not thought that I would do it. Sport. I'm like mental coach for the Czech Olympic top team. So I, I have like 32 athletes from 22 different sports. 
because and and people when I started five years ago, people thought, hey, that's crazy. He's a business guy. That's fine. But how we can coach people? I cannot coach people how to play, you know, soccer, football, or you know, handball or whatever, or how to run. But you know, the brains are the same. Mental, you yeah. know, fitness. It's the same for all sports and all all activities. This is it, right? So that's one thing. And the other thing, which was like very crazy. There was a lady, she was helping me with the marketing when I started to do uh, my seminars for the adults, uh, Katerina, right? And uh, I said, we were for the lunch, I said, what? She was like 27. I said, what do you want to do when you will be adult, right? She was like, <laughs> I, was, I was like 55, whatever, you know, right? And she said, I love to work with the kids. I was like doing babysitting since 11 years old, whatever. I said, okay, Katerina, do follow me. Rewrite, you know, all the presentations we've got, you know, uh, uh, rewrite all uh, issue, all things you you know whatever you prepare for me for the adults. Rewrite it for the kids, okay? And uh, and basically she did, and we did like first you know presentations uh, presentation. There was like three hundred teachers. Second presentation there was like seven hundred kids and the parents. So we created course unlocking children potential. She she needed to leave the, the the marketing company, and since that time we are you know doing those seminars, and we we wrote the, together the book Unlocking Children Potential. So we would have like twenty kids with the parents, and in the morning we we will talk about like how how the talent is created, you know, it's genes, and in the in the in the in the obviously in the form so the kids can understand. But it's really like self awareness, and in the afternoon we are coaching them how to use their natural talents in the sport, in the school, after school activities, stuff like that. I mean, I love it. We so far in four and a half years we train six thousand kids and seven thousand parents already. So wow. that, 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 I mean, I I love what I do. There was a last point. I mean, which, which got me like I was crying last week. I need to tell you, and I need to tell your your listeners, right? It was it's, it's unbelievable. There was a lady because I'm doing like Instagram live and you know YouTube live and Facebook live and so on. And there was a lady. She was like listening to me on Instagram, and then she wrote me like two months ago. She said, you know, I I will deliver now the baby, but I'm very afraid. I I I feel very fearful. You know, right? Because it's for the first time, and I don't know what will happen. Can you, you know, help me? And I said, well, I never did it, (laughs) (laughs) but I will try. So I recommended here what to do with the breathing, how to train yoga nidra, and so on. And you would not believe that she sent me last week the picture with the baby. You know, saying like, hey, you know, I I think baby is getting that breathing from me already. What you you know taught me, and she said, I'm having like. Then, you know, another, you know, women, they are like afraid, you know, right? I'm teaching them what to use and it, it's absolutely great, you know. So, I mean, I love it. It was like. <laughs> wow, wow. What a story. That's incredible, Jan. Oh, gosh, thank yeah. you so much for uh, for sharing all of that. And, yeah. you know, one thing that, that strikes me, which I think is very special about you, Jan, is you know, your openness to talk about your experience thank in you. mental health because, there are so many people um, in, you know, any walk of life, whether it's business world or, you know, whether they're in the world of sports, as, you, as you're also in now, where or maybe even someone that's, you know, someone's like a housewife at home that's looking after the family or whatever. But, you know, I think everyone has at some point, everyone, but a lot of people have issues with their mental health and don't even realize actually what's going on. So I guess my one of my questions that I'm interested in is 
when you were building up to that point of 2011, where you know you you really hit the wall with the mental health, did you realise what was happening in advance? Were you aware of it? Was it sort of a a thing that was progressing, and you were sort of noticing some changes, or was it like you know an immediate sort of you know you hit the wall and and that was it? You you know you you then had the problems. Yeah, uh, Janet, I did. And I remember it was spring 2011. I felt from time to time some pain in my, you know, stomach, in my back. Mm -hmm. But I was getting to be like 50 years old. And my brain was like, oh, this is some, you know, bullshit. I need to run, you know, more and it will be fine. You know, I need to exercise. And that's exactly what I was, you know, doing. So there was a somatic science already that something is happening but I did not believe my own body. I mean, your body is sending you signals, right? I mean, now if something is happening like today, I've got here a little bit blocked. I go after you to sauna, you know, I already switch on, you know, right? Like after, you know, 45 uh, minutes, 50 minutes, you know, it it will be uh, ready. So uh, absolutely your, you know, body is sending you signals, but we are not our predecessors. They were a lot of, you know, feelings in the body and they were really like working with the body. Now, I think our brain is dominating, even though the, the way it works, like the brain has got a map on like all, you know, there are neurons everywhere, pretty much, right? And the, the brain is having signals from your body, but you are not paying attention, right? You want to get, you know, you are like sleepy, so another coffee, another coffee, right? This is not good, you know, right? This is not good. And, and another, Janet, another thing is, I coach some of the finest, you know, athletes like Patrick Schick in, you know, Bundesliga, Veronika Bielesova, she she was she won, you know, World Cup in, uh, in in fencing and other, you know, great athletes, right? And while in sport, recovery is part of the process. It's part of the like working process. They take it, hey, I need to recover. It's my, you know, duty to recover because then I can be even better. In business, we take recovery very often as a luxury or as a, you know, sign of the weakness, if you will. Right. And that's not good. I think that yeah. this, is, this is what business can learn from sport to really recover, you know, right. Because uh, otherwise, and, and again, look, I, I was speaking in front of the uh, great group of the, of the managers from Bosch, which is, as you know, there's a German, it's still a private company, but they are like, mm-hmm. you know, suppliers for BMW or, you know, great companies. Right. And, Another top, one of the top managers, one of the, you know, uh, he was a member of the leadership team. He said, Jan, would you still be that successful if you would not do what you did, basically, right? Mm. If I would not still work. I said, I think I would be even more successful because my performance was around 50 years old, was influenced by the fact that I really didn't feel good. And I, I tried to like through the sport and pushing me, you know, even more. Mm. I try to overcome that, and it's not good. I mean, you. I think our, you know, predecessors really they were like hunting, and they were then they were they're like eating, having a rest, you know, right, and stuff like that. So we cannot, we should not hunt all the time. We should not work all the time, right? And the, and the, then the question is, if you go like philosophy wise, the question is, do we really need to grow our GDP four, five, six, seven percent, whatever you know, right? Maybe less now. I I don't know. Oh, is it GDP the right measurement of the human progress, right? Because there is there are countries like Bhutan measuring. I I met the 
the, the queen of the Bhutan, they measure the progress. It's it's called happiness index, you know, how people are happy, you know, right? Because it's interesting. If you take happiness, average happiness, it, it's measured, by the way, it's, it's all on the web. Average happiness in Western world didn't improve that much. In some countries, it's going even down, even though economical progress is there, which means it has nothing to do with the money. It has, it has. Because if you take like Maslow pyramid of the needs, if you need to cover like food, the basic needs. Once you cover your basic needs, money will not buy you more happiness. It's about, you know, recognition, self-recognition, recognition from the others. And on the top of the Maslow pyramid is what? Self-actualization is about the meaning. If you do something, you have a huge emotional connection to, and it's your purpose in your life. This is it. And it's, it's I mean, I love if the people are making a lot of money, there are billionaires, that's absolutely fine, provided that they are, you know, gathering that money through the activity they love. Like Richard Branson would be one, Bill Gates, yeah. the other one. You know what I mean, right? Uh, yeah. This is it, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's, what's sometimes very difficult, when you work in a very large corporate organization like Microsoft, like I have at TUI. Sure, absolutely. You were a big boss in TUI, yeah. Yeah, the the, pre- the the pressure is is it is more I think because you're answerable to the shareholders to the board exactly you know and and when is enough enough to your point and and I think in a corporate organization like that you know the, there there is no end to the financial goals because every year you know it will always you you deliver a great result and then next year the numbers higher right and it just keeps it, it was always like let's celebrate for two days three days in the US and then coming back and again again like 22 years it's like you know people a lot of people were like questioning because I was 54 when I left a lot of people were saying hey you are well paid you know why are you living such position but it's like would you play Premier League for 22 years? Some people may do, you know, like, or, or you know, tennis tournaments. Maybe Rafael, you know, Nadal, uh, Federer is like 40. But there are not that, you know, many, right? I think people, you, you want to do something else also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you were when you were at Microsoft and you were working quite closely with Bill Gates from what you what you right. described, Jan, as well. Yeah. And and 21 years in, in Microsoft, your career, it's, it was a long time. And working closely with Bill during that time, how did how did you evolve as a leader and how did he evolve as a leader as the business grew? Uh, look, for sure, uh, when, you know... <laughs> I tell you what, I think I was quite successful when I was running, like, uh, this was basically two countries, but more or less people are, the language is very similar, people are, you know, very similar. Czech and Slovakia was, you know, great success, that's why I was appointed to run Central and Eastern Europe. And then I realized that you cannot do, like, cut and paste, like, what do you learn in Czech and Slovakia? Mm-hmm. It's because people in Russia, you know it, you were responsible <laughs> for Russia, are very yeah. different. What is Russia or former USSR? There are many countries, like different religion, different cultures, and so on. So mm-hmm. that one I learn on, you know, my way, and I learn a lot to be really like the global manager. And after I would say two or three years, I was like getting global mindset and global manager, very much, you know, cultural sensitive and, and so on. And obviously, I really bet all the time. I, I think I have a good, you know, knowledge and experience with technology. I'm good on sales and marketing. But where I'm great, I'm, you know, great 
to work with the people and make people crazy. Basically, have a vision and persuade mm-hmm. the other people. Hey, this is it. This is where we should go. You know, right? The, and the, the, this is this is it. Leader is not defined by what you have on the business card. The, the leader is defined what how many people will follow you in the tough time. So that's kind of the yarn. A bit bail. It's interesting because I think. Obviously, when I, you know, uh, when I met for the first time Bill Gates, he was already CEO. But I think the the key aspect was when he started to travel much more to India, to Africa, and he recognized that basically technology is great, but it's not answer for everything. If you don't have like good toilets, like for example, this is what the foundation Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are, are doing, you know, right? They, they try yeah. to build, you know, very cheap toilet for the for the for the Africa, basically, right? So he started to 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 sense that technology is great and can help a lot, but there are like basic things. So I think when they started, when he got you know married, when they when they started, you know, the foundation, that was like he became more like a statement, if you will. You know what I mean, mm. right? Yes. Like, yeah. who was really? I mean, whenever I travel with him, he was always like, you know, uh, received by the prime minister or the president, sometimes by the king, you know, all of that, right? So that was great. What what I learned from him uh, was basically the way how he was thinking. And all, you know, every meeting or every like half day or the whole day, uh, you know, very often we were the, like two days together, I would put you know, down a lot of, you know, notes on from those, you know, meetings, not only like, hey, what I need to follow up, but the way he behaved, the way he think and so on. For example, I learned from him how to make a notes into the book, you know, right? That was a smart, you know, and I asked him a lot because I'm like open guy. I mean, I never was like, hey, I'm from the small village, you are Bill Gates. Never. I was like always, that was the, <laughs> that was a discussion of the equals, right? So I learned from him a lot. What I think he could learn from me was really my understanding of the emerging market. Because I think I was one of the best, you know, to really understand emerging markets. Because, I mean, you can get whatever, you know, two and a half, three, you know, million US dollars per, per person, you know, in UK, but you should not measure it like that in somewhere in Siberia. You can get probably half million per head. You know what I mean, right? You yeah, should yeah. not, right? And once, once the Microsoft leadership team started to understand that the business is really, you know, different, that was it. And I was always, what I was good always, like, because you need, like, if, if we came, you know, TUI was, it's great business, but our business, we were like, okay, we need to compete, but we need to compete with the piracy. There was a huge software piracy in all of those new markets. So mm-hmm. our strategy was always to, like, approach the government and say, hey, government, you need to send some signals. Like when when the when the Central Europe, those countries like Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, whatever, Slovenia and others were joining EU, we were working with those countries and with EU saying, hey, you are part of the EU, so you should have reasonable, you know, piracy rate, right? Because that, that was it. And once the government like legalized themselves, hey, now we are using legal software, they were taking care of the you know market and step by step was getting, you know, normal. And now I don't think there is a huge difference between like Czech Republic or UK or Germany and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But what was what was the other fascinating aspect of the technology that, for example, banks in Central and Eastern Europe at some point were using much modern, more modern technology as opposed to the banks in Germany, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. I tell you why, because 
there were no legacy systems, right? They were like, it's, it's called leapfrogging. They were like jumping over one, you know, period and yeah. started, especially in telco or banks. It was like that. And it was amazing. I love, I still love, you know, emerging markets so much. I was going in places like, you know, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, all of those places, you know, because it was, it was very interesting. You meet a lot of, and they were very smart people because they were, you know, one thing which was good in former, you know, communistic countries was education, always. That was probably the only one. <laughs> I mean, they were like industrial companies, good companies and so on. Yeah. But if we talk about kind of the development, it was always like education. If you take like Romanian developers are probably still one of the best in the world because Romanians were winning all, you know, like mathematical Olympic games was won because the, 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 the math, uh, and uh, in Romania, it's some it's something still you know huge and big. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I remember when I was when I was uh, in particular over in China uh, when I was at yeah. Tui, and uh, I always used to describe it a little bit like an iceberg. You know, as a Western European, you you kind of see the ten percent above the water, ninety percent beneath the water, and you cannot go in as a apply a Western European approach. No. To be successful, you know, you will you know, I think in, in China you need to have like Chinese leadership. You you can have like two, three people with Western mindset coaching Chinese, but you need to have a that's my you know understanding. You need to have you know Chinese leaders, right? That that's hundred percent, hundred percent, and a strong joint venture partners and all of absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. Because the and the government relationships, you know, are, are very it's complex everything. and interesting, shall we say. But um, yeah, Jan, coming back to, you know, since you came out of Microsoft and all the things right. you're doing now, what do you think were the skills at Microsoft that you learned which allow you to be successful today with what mm-hmm. you do now? It, it is, it is for sure. Look, it, I have a lot of, you know, experience. So it's like opening the door, right? And to be honest, it is a still I'm like, because we agree, Microsoft said, well, you should still like have a connection to Microsoft. So use the title retired chairman, you know, Microsoft, which is absolutely mm-hmm. fine. I do it. So that, that's helping. But life, it's not about the titles. But I learned so much in Microsoft. So it's like business. And then, then, Janet, it's like when I was in Microsoft, you are like in the bubble, right? When you go out. Uh, you realize how fast the IT industry is, you know, right? You mm. need to think fast, you know, do fast thinking and so on. So, for example, I was like two years ago, I was like, there was a half-year project. One of the big companies, they like included me in the leadership team. And I was basically helping them to create their own balance scorecard, you know, right? It was a very well-paid yeah. job, but it was probably what we did in Microsoft 17, 18 years ago, right? Those kind of things. So it is business experience. And Microsoft, it's not only in terms of the IT, but I think it's one of the best companies in the human history, mm-hmm. right? There were a lot of people, 2010, 2011, 2012, who were saying, Microsoft, in five years, you guys are irrelevant. Now, look at the stock exchange. You know, stock yeah. exchange talks about your future. It's not about what you achieve, you know. Satya Nadella, there's another, you know, CEO. Satya is doing a very good job, right? So for sure, you know, my business knowledge and experience, it helped a lot. But while, you know, coaching, you know, top leaders uh, and, and coaching, you know, some companies and, and doing those seminars, then my work with the people, because it's a very similar. I mean, if you work with like football team or I, I, I work with some of the, 
you know, best players in the Czech, you know, football league or that now I was training the, the all basketball, like what is the Czech, they call it Czech NBA, if you will. You know, so I was work, having seminar with them, you know, right? It's a very similar, if you are like running business team, those are very similar, you know, uh, things in, in the sport. Even now, I I teach, it's called Iron Mind. I teach with David Svoboda, who was my first athlete. Uh, he was Olympic Games winner from London in modern pentathlon. So we are teaching course together. It's quite interesting. Pe- people from the business are coming and athletes. And it's like interesting, you know, dynamic in, on, mm-hmm. the, on the mental toughness. And the other course, there is a former Pavel, uh, who is the uh, former uh, captain of the Czech basketball team. They were like num- number six at the last, you know, uh, uh, world championship. And he's a smart guy. So we are teaching on course on, you know, creating winning teams. And he is because he studied business also. He's having kind of the sport, you know, look right uh, Pavel Pumperla and I am like having my my business right so th- this is it and then you know I have a I have a talent and ability to use like what is working somewhere to use like analogy and you know put it somewhere else because yeah in a nutshell in the I tell you what we did with the kids with the kids courses right uh Katarina she's really you know smart like working with the kids and I brought something which works with the adults. But I said, I need to have somebody, it was her, who will, you know, rewrote it, number one, and who will teach me again how to talk to six, seven, eight years old kids, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. When we started, I was like, professor, I said, this is amygdala, and you need to do, 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 do. They were like, oh. <laughs> right? now, it's, now it's very different. I can take, you know, different head, absolutely, right? So, uh that's another that's another thing. I think uh, there is a lot of people who are like afraid to move from this safe corporate environment. But yeah. it's there's very low safety in corporate environment. They can fire whenever they want. You know what I mean, right? Absolutely. And 100%. And, I, and I think you, sorry, go on. And if you are on your own, it's you have a great freedom. You can, you know, pick up whatever you want and you can use. I mean, it's good that you have a lot of experience from your corporate life but this is it yeah absolutely yeah and I, I think I love the fact that you you you've merged your two passions of sport love for sport and tennis in particular and, and business and actually created you know what you do today which adds huge value helps so many people and, and, and Jeanette there is there is one more aspect because uh my engagement with athletes is helping me also uh, in the corporate world because they love it. They love it. And sometimes they're like, say, hey, you know, next time, it, it was great what you said. Next time, can you bring some hero? I said, I'll bring you. I have a lot of, you know, I have like one of one of the first, you know, world champion is the guy who did, you know, it's called uh, Strongman. Those are like, they're doing a lot of crazy stuff. Mm. With, uh, Yerit, Yerit Kadocik is the name. And I would not be special. He's, yeah, he's a world champ. I help him to be world champ. What is special? Since three years old, he needs to apply four times insulin in his blood. Mm, right. right. And it, it so that's that's the hero. So if you if you are taking people like that, or I have a blind guy who is doing triathlon, and when there was a like championship in my country, in all like people who with like with the people who can you know see. And people with uh, uh, some disabilities, it was uh, 
from 50, he was seventh, you know, still blind guy, you know, when he's, he's working with the, with another guy when, you know, biking, for example. But it's amazing, you know, right? He will go now, Andre will now go one day before Tour de France, he will go and do the whole Tour de France. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing, you know. Amazing. We are organizing now some money for him, you know, and uh, yeah. So and that's another, you know, experience. If you can help somebody like that, and he wanted, he's the guy who he started to do it. He got blind when he was 21 years old, and he wanted for like half of the year he was thinking to commit suicide, right? And then and then some friend came and said, "Look, Andre, let's go and let's you know walk together." And then they started to run. And they, they have a rope, little, you know, rope. And they started to go step by step. And then, you know, he did like Chinese wall, you know. He did, he made a lot of money for the blind, you know, kids. He he, he went across the whole Czech Republic. Like, wow. you know, he's quite famous guy, you know. He, yeah. he asked me to help. So I work with him like three years now, you know. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. And and Jan, if you were talking to, you know, giving someone some advice that maybe is is coming towards the end of their corporate career, or maybe they, they're not at the end of their career, they're still quite young, but they just really want to change direction, maybe go and do their own thing, start a business. What advice would you give to them as to how best to approach that? Number, number one, uh, make sure you really understand who you are. So I would, you know, definitely recommend to do uh, Strengths Finder. I'm using Strengths Finder test. It's it's a talent test which will reveal your. If you if you buy uh you know book Strengths Finder 2.0, there is a coupon. You can do that test and you you have a lot of explanations what to do. So it's really understand who you are. What do you what do you like? In my book, The Positive Leader, I talk about the the purpose in your life like three circles. Understand who you are. This is the self awareness. Understand what are your passions. Those are the things you really love. Those are the things which are bringing your talents into the flow, okay? Mm. And then the third circle is your personal values. Those, those are your anchors in your life. And personal values, it's always something you admire in the other people. So you can take like five people and one thing per each and every person and you've got it. And where, you know, your circle of your self-awareness, those are the talent, passions, and your personal values overlaps. That's usually your purpose, you know, right? So yeah. that's that's one point, okay? The second point, if you have different choices, right? Okay, should I stay in my company or you have two other choices, right? So try put it in Excel. <laughs> try to put like choice number one, choice number two, choice number three. And on each every in each and every row, put there your own criteria. For example, I want to have more freedom. I want to have, you know, you know, more money or whatever, you know, I want to be more visible. Maybe you are not that visible, whatever you want, whatever you really value and put there like 10, 15 items. And then for each and every cell, put there like one is the lowest score and 10 is the highest. And you will see what you, it's like logical way, how to figure out what is the best scenario for you. That's exactly what I did when I was like thinking to leave Microsoft. So that's the second point. It's, it's kind of the, on the decision-making process. Because I think, you know, people who are successful and happy are those who can understand who they are, who can figure out what is their meaning in their life, and who can make a decision to use who they are to achieve what they want, to use, you know, to use it for the, for the meaning. And last but not least, make sure you are creating your network as you go through, through your career. There's a lot of people who are, like, fired and then start the latest, oh, what is my network, right? 
I mean, come on, I have like 140,000 people on social networks. I have like 20,000 people on, on, on LinkedIn, you know, right? This is it, but it, it takes some, you know, time and obviously, and it's, it's not like, it, you need to, whatever you put in the system, in the nature, whatever you put in the system is getting back. There's a yeah. great thing in Britain, you cannot give what you don't have. So give, you know, love to the, that's what they are saying at the clubhouse, give a love, you know, right? Give what you have and everybody got something different because everybody got a talent because we have all genes and talents are, the, are genes, you know, right? You just need yeah. to figure out what is it, right? So network would be the other one and don't overestimate like external war because people are usually, oh, I have a safety, but I'm really not great in the product. Come on, you know, right? It was like, right? <laughs> If I was afraid of something, it was like, hey, who will do my expense sheets? <laughs> really stupid <laughs> thing. Who will do my finance? I have great partners. I have a look, I have the travel agency in Bratislava. It's not even in Czech Republic, it's in Bratislava in Slovakia. They serve Microsoft Slovakia, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and Yarmilfi. Those <laughs> <laughs> I love all of that, Jan. And it's really funny. I was smiling away because I think I think very similarly to you um, as well, you know, and, and around sort of the logical approach to making decisions. Absolutely. Also being very, very aware of your emotions, your values and, and kind of what you love to do. So, so I love how you've described that. That's fantastic. And I totally agree about the networking point, because I think when people people are in a big organization, your network, ironically, can be very insular, can't it? It's very much around the organization. Exactly. And actually, I think people think, oh, I only need to network if I'm trying to get a new job. And you no. go, no, not at all. It's the total wrong way to think about Absolutely. it. You know, and I, you know, I always encourage and, and I do, you know, similar exercise with my mentees that I work with. And very often we will have or come up with a very a proper plan about how to effectively network. And to do it in a way that's congruent with your values and your giving, okay. you, you think, how can I help the other person first and foremost? Um, you know, so I love what you said there, Jan. That's really, really helpful for people that are thinking of that change. You know what, exactly. I, I tell you what, you know, there are some of my clients, we get to know each other. They came to my seminars with the kids. Mm. And suddenly they said, hey, I'm running this, you know, company and we would like to have you because this is great what you do with the kids. Can you do it with the adults? I said, absolutely. I started with the adults and st stuff like that, you know, right? You should, you should, you, I think you should give before you ask. That's, you know, my, my, my belief, right? And, 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 and this is it. And, you know, very often people think, hey, what I know, everybody knows. It's not true. Not at yeah. all. Obvious things are not obvious. You know, everybody, we have everybody got a different, you know, uh, the view of the world because your brain can capture only 120 bits per second of the information, right? Mm -hmm. And around you, there's 11 million bits per second. So everybody, everybody glasses are a little bit different, you know. That's absolutely. why, like, synergy is good. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the other thing, um, when you've been in a very large organization like Microsoft or TUI or whatever, whatever right. corporate, I think sometimes you don't realize how good you are sometimes. Exactly. Because you come out. You're the top players. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You are absolutely right. You're yeah. Absolutely right. 
And it's actually really when you're moved out of your comfort yeah. zone that you go, oh, wow, actually, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. It was, it, was a good, it was a good level, absolutely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so let's just talk a, a little bit, Jan, before we, before we come towards yeah. the end of the uh, interview. We're going to have to do a follow-up, by the way, because there's so much more. Sure, than- no problem. Um, but but in terms of you know your daily habits and the things that you do to keep yourself in really good shape now, um, can you just talk about that a little bit with all that wisdom of you know the mental health challenges that you had and yeah. how you now make sure that you are kept in peak condition mentally and physically today that might help other people? Absolutely, I will. Yeah, I'm getting up usually between five thirty six o'clock in the morning. I visualize the day, what, what the day looks like, the ideal day, you know. Then I do breathing exercises like Wim Hof, you know, or breathing in the box. It's like 4-4, four, four, you breathe in, you hold 4-4, four, four, you breathe out, and you go, you know, a couple, of, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times. I'm not using any phones, computers, whatever. The only thing what I do during my sport, if I run, I run for one hour. If I walk, I walk for one and a half hour. And I'm downloading to my, you know, phone some podcast. This is the only thing which I do. Okay, so I, I all the time I listen something. I have a, I, uh, I show you something. I, uh, I listen to the podcast, but then I have my recording tool. You know, basically I record all the time when it, there's some great idea. Because what, what is happening? You like you listening, and then it's gone. You know, right? Yeah. I record it. I what I try to do from this, you know, record like every week i'm putting down you know a lot of notes i do only handwritten notes you know right this mm-hmm. is i mean i write on the on the keyboard but this is it because it's good for your neuroplasticity to learn a new thing so i really try to learn a lot from the from the podcast because it's another hour of learning or one and a half hour right mm-hmm. when i'm coming you know home if i eat you know uh breakfast it's usually like blueberries you know strawberries some nuts stuff like that they did like the natural you know stuff Mm-hmm. I well in the morning I'm drinking like three uh, of, of the uh, still water you know that's what I do before mm-hmm. I go for running and then I then I have like shower and after that I have a cold shower it's like the Wim Hof method very cold you know water right it's because you're creating like there's a, there's a adrenaline shot you're creating the artificial stress but it's improving your you know immunity lowering your inflammation it's basically putting your pH on the on the balance level, you know, right? Mm. And then, you know, I, I usually, you know, teach or I have some presentations, coach or whatever. Then in the afternoon, if I am at home, I still do one hour more sport, you know, mm. right? So I sometimes I do really, like yesterday I was running in the morning and for two hours I was on the bike, right? So I, I really, I mean, I'll be 60 in nine months, and I'm like, look, I'm running. It's I'm I'm not running very fast, but still, it's good. I think for my age, it's a good performance. Still, you know, right? Today I was yeah. walking from the from the place when we were at lunch with my friend to the to the studio. It was like five kilometers, and he's like 27. He said, "Well, you walk so fast." I said, "Because <laughs> I do like 20, 25 kilometers a day, you know, right?" So this, this is it. So uh, and then in the evening, I. I work, you know, the the since like from seven o'clock on the the blue light, you know, blocking glasses, you know, right? Oh. That's what I do. Uh, and in the evening, I do like some live sessions, and I would do like after each like one one and a half hour, you know, presentation or some seminars, 
I have five, 10 minutes meditation. Even if I teach somewhere else, I usually I'm, I'm telling them I need, you know, one room where I need to like cool down. What I do very often, I go out and I go like, you know, I, I try to get, you know, through the horizon, you know, with my eyes. It's good for your eyes. Mm. Right. And in the evening, uh, I do like I remind me what was going well. I repair it. If I made some mistakes or there are some learnings, I repair it. I call it I repair. I remind, I repair. And I imagine the second day, you know, and I go to sleep around 10 o'clock in the evening. And I, mm. for, for sleeping, I wear my, you know, aura ring, which is like the device, which is helping you to figure out how much deep sleep, RM, uh, REM sleep you have and how you are ready for the next day. It's really good. I mean, my athletes, usually I do a lot of things. I have all like massaging tools and everything. Whatever my athletes are using, I'm always buying that. You know, yeah. So, yeah. so this is it. So I, I think I'm quite disciplined. I'm not drinking alcohol since like, since I left Microsoft, I'm not drinking coffee. I just drink uh, green tea. And I think I'm quite reasonable with my diet. The only thing during the COVID, I was eating a lot of chocolate. So now, now I'm like, you, you, you have the same thing. So now I, I'm getting my food in the boxes. So there's a very healthy food. They would, you know, bring like every morning, the whole thing, you know, for you. So I try to lose a bit, you know, because uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's what, what yeah. Uh, so this is it. And I think those, you know, routines are helping me because I know from, you know, my, depression how your brain works so i need to make good chemical cocktail in my brain like mm -hmm. endorphins dopamine if i reach some you know goal you know right and stuff like that so uh, yeah this is it and i mean everybody can do it i think habits are very important because whatever you do like you are able you know to repeat then your amygdala the, the part of the brain which are telling you hey you are not good enough and you should be fearful there's no chance, you know, if you are in the present moment, there's no chance, you know, right? So I, I do I do yoga like three, four times a week, you know. I should do probably a bit, you know, more. But uh, I'm like, I think I'm still like my joints and everything is quite, you know, flexible. My doctor, she said, I was there recently. She said, well, you know what? This is very strange. You are absolutely healthy. It's a very strange for your age. <laughs> Well, like my slogan, my slogan is, you know, from Clubhouse, 60s, new 40, you know, right? Absolutely. Age is a state of mind. And you know what I love? I was looking at your LinkedIn before, um, before right. we jumped on the interview. And I, I love what I'm going to read it out, if I may. Yeah, sure. Part of it. it says, I help people to understand who they are so they can figure out who they can be. I That's love that. That's very, very nice. And I think that really sums up, you know, uh, really what you're all about from that right. early age. Um, when you were 12 years old and you told yourself, no, I can do whatever I want. I'm in control of my life. Um, and I love that. And I just think that unlocking that potential in people and exactly. achieve that phenomenal results at Microsoft which took you from, you know, not being at the top performing region to, to really becoming amazing because of how you unlock the potential in your team um, exactly. is, is really inspiring. And, and I think that's, that's something which um, is a core, a core theme throughout your career in life. Absolutely. 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 I mean, whatever I achieve, I achieve through the other, you know, people, right? 
Because look, yeah. if I take my top five, you know, from Gallup Strengths Finder, I am great in strategy, imagination, and vision. And I can, you know, formulate it very well, communication skills, and I can make other people crazy. I can influence people. I'm not that great in execution. People think that you need to be great in everything. No, it's you need to be aware who you are and then have, for example, in my case, I've got always number two who was more analytical than me. I'm, I'm, I can be analytical, but it's taking a lot of energy from me. So more like detail-oriented and more empathical. I'm empathical, but I need to know those people for, you know, longer time. Then I'm getting very empathical. It's called like a relator, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but this is it. So you need to you need to know what are your strengths, what are weaknesses, so that you can hire somebody who would cover your weaknesses. This is it, you know. Absolutely. Hire people that are smarter than you in those. Exactly. exactly. And then, then get out of their way and let them do their job. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, this is it. This is it. As, as Jeanette said, you know, hire smarter people. This is it. No, you are right. But a lot of people are afraid to hire smarter people. You know what? And this, this will, because, you know, you, you have one word there, be brave, you know. And I think I started to be brave after like four years old because I said, look, if I will hire somebody on the position which is quite close to me, I need to think, can that person be three, four years from now my boss? You know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a very brave question. Not that many managers would ask that question, but I was asking that question, you know. And then you are not making compromises because I before that, I made some compromises and it's not good. If you are hiring, you need to hire people with the great energy, you know, curious people, right, who are able to think independently. This is it. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and certainly I think when you're younger in your career, you know, you, your ego is big. It gets in the way sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And uh, But as you get a bit older and wiser, you realize there's a better way. <laughs> there's a oh, better yeah, <laughs> So, Jan, I've just got a couple of final questions, sure. I may. So can you think of the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? The best piece of advice... Uh, would be probably for my dad when he said, you know, let's have maybe two applications, you know, one for the tennis coach and the other one for, you know, computers, right? And it's like having a, because and I tell you what, obviously it, it, it changed my life, number one, otherwise I would not be in Microsoft. And number two, I think you need to have options in your life. If you like concentrate on the one thing, it's not good. That's I'm, I'm like, I'm very curious. Like for my age, I'm still like studying, you know, new stuff. I work with it. I coach like people, YouTubers, which are like 22 years old. Sometimes I don't know what they are talking about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. But we like each other because I coach them. It's like top down. I coach them how to run business and all of that stuff. And they coach me how to use, you know, social networks. So, that would be, yeah, that would be from my dad, probably this one, like have, have more, you know, options in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, that was sound advice. And like you say, it it set you in a direction and then, you know, the rest is history from, from there. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very wise, your, your dad. And can you think of the worst piece of advice that you've been given? Uh, that was probably during the last financial crisis, 2007, 2008, when one of my financial advisors, you know, advised me. Basically, I wanted, you know, when it was clear that something will happen that the stock exchange would go down, 
I would, you know, sell and then buy when the market was bottoming, you know, right? Uh, but he said, no, 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 keep it. Everything will be fine. It was disaster. I mean, it, it recovered afterwards, but at that moment, it was not, you know, very good. And uh, and that's why I didn't, I don't work anymore with him. I have, a, you know, another great guy. We are very, you know, happy, uh, right? Is uh, originally from, you know, Germany. It's funny because that guy never studied finance, you know, but he's one of the best finance advisors. So he learned a lot, you know. And, and yeah, and this is it. Other, other than that, you know what, Janet, I, because finance is something, I, I mean, I love it, but I love like to decide, hey, this is the team I should, you know, invest, but I don't like all details and everything. This is, you know, my finance advisor. Other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm very independent person. I, it's very hard to influence me. I mean, yeah. look, if you like, if, I agree with you, and we are like in you know uh, agreement. That's absolutely fine. But if I have a different opinion, that's it's very hard to persuade. My wife would tell you, you know, we are together like for forty years. You know, she would tell you he's a good guy, but you know, if he's like having his own opinion, he's not gonna to change it. And it's true. I mean, I I, I can you know, but I, it is. It is, you know, tough because, and, and and this is it because I think, I mean, look, I made very good decisions in my life. I made a lot of bad decisions in my life. Do do, and I, I mean, the my uh, depression was almost catastrophe. But I would never go and say, yeah, that was because I was under the pressure from Microsoft. No way. Microsoft was very nice to me, by the way, during depression. It was, you know, my fault, my behavior. And the same like, yeah, why I behave the way I behave? Because I was perfectionist, because my, my mom was teacher. So you, you would need to get like all, you know, ranking top, 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 top. You need to be number one in everything, you know, right? It's, you need to play, as I'm telling now the tennis players, you cannot play like 100% all the time. There are some days you can play 80%, you can still win. You need to win with what you have. Rafael Nadal, the, you know, uh, uh, Rome tournament, the the Italian you know tournament. He beaten Djokovic. But he was not playing at the best, you know, but he was still able to win. And this is it. You need to win with what you have, you know, at that particular day, right? And this is kind of you know my philosophy. And the, the other of my philosophy, which is very crazy, you know, right? It's like, you know, aim to the moon. If you miss the moon, you are still among the stars, you know, right? And this is it. Because you, you never know what you can achieve in your life. People are, our brain works like, you know, lowering our, you know, what you can achieve and it's wrong. I mean, your disappointment is a gap between expectation and reality. And I'm not telling people, hey, lower your expectation. No, work on your reality. Be better version of yourself every day. So you can be one one time, you know, Olympic Games winner, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, perfect. And and, and you're right, actually, you know, because sometimes we we expect we we set ourselves up for failure because we always we we're, we're striving for perfection. Right. Exactly. Time. And it, it's not reality. Um, so, no. you know, yes, be ambitious, have a big goal, you know, a big, hairy, audacious goal, as the Americans say. Absolutely. Hairy. But, <laughs> a BHAG. Um, but, uh, B-hag. B-hag. yeah, yeah, but, but you got to work on yourself every day, every single day. I, I agree. You bet. You bet. So, so, Jan, what's the secret to a, a happy relationship of 40 years with your good lady wife? <laughs> 
we call my daughter, she calls my wife commander, you know, right? Because she's like, she's a chief commander. She's <laughs> she's like, I'm not, I, I was a CEO, I'm no more CEO. I was a CEO, I was a chairman, but at home, I wanted somebody else to run it. And this is what, my wife, she's a doctor, but she basically finished when we've got Christina. And Christina is a lawyer, my, my daughter, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, uh, the, the recipe is to like, Give a, you know, give a freedom in order to get, you know, freedom and space, you know, right? Everybody can do. And then, you know, I, I try to plan even my free time, what, what I spend with my, like, friends, with my family, and so on. And, you know, I, if it would not be my wife, my wife basically gave up her career when we moved to Germany many, many years ago for, you know, my career, right? So, which is, uh, which is great, right? Obviously, now she is enjoying, you know, to shop and spend the money she got available, <laughs> you know, right? So she's keeping, even when we are in London, she's keeping UK economy also up and running, you know, Italian economy, the Czech economy. Whenever we go, she tries to help the local economy in the US, you know, it's good. She's like a professional shopper. She, that lady, she's in the flow when she's shopping, you know, right? She's here and now, so she's not taking care of the time. So you, you call her and it's gone, you know, right? And the, the amygdala is also shut down. She's, you know, spending a lot of money. Anyway, no, no I'm, I'm just you know, taking some drugs. But uh, yeah, and, but she, my wife, she helped me a lot during the time I was, you know, deeply depressed. She, she was there like every day, you know, and it, it was funny because she's so tough that she never talked about the fact that I was in the mental hospital. She was always talking about like what, where we will go for the vacation and stuff like that. And it, it, here's the funny thing with your brain. While my logical part of the brain didn't believe what she was saying, your subconsciousness is taking everything what you are hearing or you're seeing, whatever. And because she was there very often, I think she helped me also. Like, because I, I recovered afterwards relatively, it was very tough two months. One month was kind of okay. And then I recovered after another one month, I was able, you know, to go and return back to, to Microsoft. So, yeah, but it was, a, I think it was a very tough time for mm. my wife. And my daughter, she was 15. So, it was super tough time for my daughter. Can you imagine yeah, you were like 15 yeah. and your dad is successful guy, but, you know, uh, being in the mental hospital, not good. No, so, no. Well, you sound like you, your wife is incredible and you've got a wonderful daughter as well. So all, all, all credit, all credit to, to Absolutely. All credit to the ladies. All and I, I, when you're in London next, I definitely want to go. No, we should, we should have a dinner together. You bet. I'm there very would, often in London. Absolutely. That would be wonderful. That would be really wonderful. So, Jan, where can people find you? I know you're all over. Uh, yeah, there is a, there yeah. is a web, uh, web, janmuhulofit.com. There's like English part and the Czech part. I'm also Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, all of those. And Clubhouse, you know, Clubhouse is also now Clubhouse, as you know, is available also for Android users. So and we are we met at Clubhouse with, with Janet, with Greg Janet. Absolutely. Yeah, we did. We did. So I've got a lot to thank Clubhouse for. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this lovely conversation. Oh, absolutely. I have a, yeah. there, there is a it, it, there are some great people, you know, you would not be able to meet. But we would be very hard in such short time to meet so many great people, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So my final question for you then, Jan, is okay. 
And you've partly answered it earlier, but I'm going to ask you for the whole thing. So what does brave, bold and brilliant mean to you? Brave for me, Janet, means like you are able to move out of the comfort zone, whatever comfort zone means for you, because all progress is happening, you know, out of the comfort zone, right? If you are in the comfort zone, you will not grow, right? That's that's what, what is brave, like attack your comfort zone all the time. That's that's about, you know, bravity. That's about your courage. Bold to me means that you are never losing the mindset of the winner. Even if you are like you losing momentum, you may lose the battle, but you will not lose the war because everything is happening. What Sun Tzu was saying, everything is happening in your mind. You first win the battle in your mind and then you go and win your battle in the field. When Patrick Schick was, Patrick Schick before he was playing in Bundesliga, he was uh, playing uh, for uh, AS Rome and he played the first match against Ronaldo. And I was like, how was it? And he said, well, Ronaldo is staying like Terminator, looking in one place. They said, because he's winning the match before the match, right? It's like visualizing. Mm -hmm. I said, Patrick, you can do two things. You can be bold and you can say, hey, it's great. I'm playing, I'm 23 and I'm playing with Ronaldo already. Or you can be like afraid and you can say, well, I'll never be that good as Ronaldo. And if you will go the other way, you will, whenever you will even see Ronaldo picture, you will be scared to death. If you go like, hey, I'm not saying that you are Ronaldo yet, you know, right? But it's like I'm I'm already playing with Ronaldo. That's the that's the that's the principle of excellence. That's the that's what uh, Carol Dweck talks about. It's uh, uh, the growth mindset. It's like being better version of yourself every day. So that's the that's the ball, and brilliant to me, it's like you know Michael Jordan basically kind of you you are you are never done. You are still you know, work in progress. You still try to learn all the time. Be better and better, right? Because th this is it. Because one once you stop to learn, to me, you are no more brilliant because there are other, you know, people who will go, you know, and, and be better than you. So this is it. it. It is about the learning. And I think if you are curious enough, you will still continue to learn. And your brain, a lot of people think, hey, my brain is all whatever. It's all bullshit. You know, synapses are connected all the time. You can learn the whole life, you know. In fact, now it's clear that if people learn, you know, right, they they are not losing that much, you know, memory or your you know, brain capacity or whatever. They are, you know, old people, they are still teaching. Today, there are people like 85 years old and they are still teaching at the universities, you know, right? So that's, I, I think this is it. Brilliant to me. It's about your ability to learn all the time. And for the future, it's about learning, and but also a ability to learn, to unlearn what you learn, because there will be you know, new things mm -hmm. around the world, and you would need to unlearn some uh, specific things. You know? So that's, uh, that's what brave, bold, and brilliant means. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Great. I love that, Jan. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation. We will definitely have to have a follow-up. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we hear each other at least for some time this evening, right? Absolutely. Uh -huh. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Jan. Bye. Thank you.